Welcome to Reset. I'm Melinda Peta, your host. Our program is dedicated to interviewing changemakers from around the globe that are reshaping and transforming the world we live in. We are learning about the way in which they are affecting change on Mother Earth and shifting our collective consciousness. Melinda Peto, host of Reset. I'm here today with brilliant changemaker Renee Ostertag, founder and president of Green Tree Mind. Renee is a licensed doctor of physical therapy. She's a psychotherapist and a shamanic trained healer. In addition, she's also certified a certified trauma professional and a certified compassion fatigue professional. I've been fortunate to know Renee since 2013. Renee and I met in a shamanic apprenticeship and we have um, had a joyful, playful experience uh, through the years. So what I'd like to say about Renee and what strikes me about her is her zest for life, her joy-filled spirit and her incredible brilliance. So welcome Renee, so happy to have you today. Oh, Melinda. It is a delight to be with you. Thank you. So I'd like to start our discussion learning more about Green Tree Mind. Tell us about your creation. Gladly. Green Tree Mind is a business and private practice based out of Denver, Colorado. And I started it in 2012. And we focus on restoring health and well-being at the intersection of physical and psychotherapy. Uh, There's three ways that we interact with people, either one-on-one coaching for uh, the general public that is suffering with physical pain, stress, anxiety, and depression that are getting in the way of their physical pain recovering, or just stress, anxiety, depression, because that shows up in the physical body. So one-on-one training, coaching, therapy. Uh, We also do group classes and um, resilience training for healthcare providers, specifically physical therapists. And there's also big speaking events that we do for the general public in corporations and associations and groups around the country. Uh, In fact, internationally, I spoke two years ago at a conference in the Bahamas to uh, the American Surgery Association of Ophthalmic plastic reconstructive surgeons. So it's pretty fun. I was standing on a stage in front of 200 surgeons, you know, lots of serious science talk and got them to dance to Mambo number five because <laughs> dancing is an important part of health well-being. And there's three nerves in your arms and, and we got to have them dance their median nerve and ulnar nerve and radial nerve. So um, that's what Green Tree Mind is all about, is, so, is helping. Yeah. Yeah. So Renee, and I, I think what, what really has caught my attention over the years, and I, I um, this idea of pain and redefining pain, and I feel like what, what Green Tree Mind brings to you, consciousness really is about redefining the body, mind, and spirit around how we look at pain. And so I state that because that's my reflection of what I've observed over the years with your work and what you have done. And I'd love to hear your story and how you ended up where you are today. 
in founding this and, and this, this whole philosophy around wellness and you know, overcoming obstacles such as pain? Yeah, I can speak to that both personally as a human who has struggled with physical pain and professionally as a physical therapist. Um, through 15 years of working solely as a physical therapist, things became really clear that the body doesn't live in a silo. And it's not just about the mechanics and the, and the joints and the tightness of your muscles and the stiffness or weakness or whatever the problem is biomechanically. Um, it, pain physically is always a three-dimensional experience according to science. So science tells us that every physical pain experience has three dimensions, one being mechanical, two being emotional, three being social. And I discovered this personally because I struggled for years with back pain that would go down uh, my right leg and then it progressed to my left leg. And then I had weakness in my foot and bowel and bladder changes, like really serious stuff. Progressively, this back pain was getting worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't until one day I was laying in my bed. I was on a, a back pain flare up, which uh, I was out of work for two weeks that time because I couldn't stand. I couldn't walk. I couldn't bend. Obviously, I couldn't work as a PT. And I had been studying some science about the brain and how the brain is involved with pain. And I said, well, this is an experiment. I'm stuck here in bed. Why don't I play with my thoughts and see what happens? And I started to repeat this mantra in my head. My life is hard. This sucks so bad. My pain is terrible. I'm never going to work again. This is awful. I gave a voice to that catastrophic thinking. And I did that on repeat for several minutes. And what happened was my back pain traveled down my leg all the way to my toe and it increased by about five points on a zero to 10 scale. And I wasn't moving at all. And yet my pain was getting worse. And I thought that was fascinating. And then I got really scared because I was like, oh God, now, you know, I was comfortable a few minutes ago and now things are really hurting and, and I pain in a wider area and it, it's moved from my back to my leg. So this voice of reason in my head found a way to say, Renee, if you thought your way into the increased pain shortly, you should be able to think your way out. And I will say it took a little bit longer and it was very difficult to believe, but I did manage to be able to move the catastrophic thinking into a more hopeful direction. And I started to repeat the words, this can get better. It doesn't always have to be this way. This can improve. This can change. I think I can get better. I want to believe in my body's ability to heal and restore. I want to believe that pain can change. I want to believe that this isn't permanent. And at first I didn't believe it at all. But as I kept repeating more positive, hopeful, optimistic thinking, after a period of about eight or nine minutes, the pain marched its way out of my leg, back up to my back and back down, not only to its original level, but even better. And again, I wasn't moving. And so that defied this concept of physical pain is just physical. And so then I began exploring it more and more with other people. And I started to have my patients pay attention in a more three-dimensional way, right? When your pain is at its worst, what's happening biomechanically, but also what's happening emotionally. 
How are your thoughts and feelings? And also track what's happening socially with your job, with your relationships at home. And, and one gentleman was really profound because he had neck pain and it was really severe and it had gotten better with everything physical. I said, let's have a three-dimensional conversation. We did. And then he started noticing and paying attention. And he came back one day. He said, Renee, I was gone this past week on vacation for work. And it was an awesome trip. I was doing a job that I loved. I was being recognized by my peers. I was spending time with friends that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And I didn't even notice that my neck pain was 100% gone the entire trip. And when I flew back to Denver and I came home, as soon as I crossed the threshold of my house, my neck pain came back. And all the stress of my marriage and all the challenges that come along with sitting at my work desk came back and my neck pain returned. And so that experience for him is an example of what the work I do with people does is it broadens one's perspectives as to the source of their problems where it's not a hundred percent the bulging disc or the diverticulitis or you know the pinched nerve in your neck like yes those things are there they're real they're true and there are also other factors that can either heighten or dampen right modulate make better or worse your your physical pain so just to really kind of sum that up, when you, when you are reflecting on this philosophy of body, mind, spirit, roughly, I mean, it's kind of, kind of the idea you're hitting these different points of the mental and the physical and the connection with the nervous system. Is there a, a basic philosophy that you hold um, you know, that, that encompasses all of that when you're, when you're working with patients is, is, um, with your techniques? Yeah, I would, I would say my basic philosophy is my brand mullet. I have science in the back and spirit in the front. I need them both to make it work. This explains really beautifully the, the left hemisphere and what's going on there. Spirit explains the right hemisphere of the brain and what's going on there. And we often try to approach problems with a left brain perspective, i.e. using logic, reason, and analysis, practical one plus two equals three. Left brain strategies are great for left brain problems, but humans are a whole brain. And so we need to use both the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. Because we're whole brain people, we have whole brain problems, we need to use both sides. And the brain is obviously connected to the mind and, and mind and brain are, are separate. They're not the same thing. The brain is the physical structure. The mind is this energy and information field that includes both body, brain, and relationship. So that the brand mullet, science in the front, spirit, science in the back, spirit in the front, I need them both to make it work. It's, it's complex science made simple. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm with Dr. Renee Osterdag. Renee, to continue this conversation of the left-right brain, when you are looking at pain, does it reside in one hemisphere or the other? 
pain is actually not located in one spot in the brain. It's actually a neural network. So it's, it's like um, a circuit that includes nine different arenas of the brain, nine separate areas and how they connect. And if all nine of those areas in both the right and the left and the front and the back, if they're active, you will experience pain. If they're not, you won't. And what science shows is that the circuits of physical pain are highly correlated with the circuits of emotional pain and so pain. So if somebody's experiencing social pain, right? Not belonging, if they're experiencing emotional pain, like loneliness, anxiety, depression, or if you're experiencing, you just sprained your ankle, they look very similar under the functional MRI scan of the brain. Wow. So when you're working with someone, like you, you talked about the, the gentleman with the neck problem, mm -hmm. give us a sense of the effects of your techniques. So talk a little bit about what do you do? Because you're, you're, you're talking about aspects that appear to be somewhat unconscious. Maybe they are conscious, like the gentleman you described knew he was going home and he had this situation and he had been on vacation and he could see the difference between changing venues and environments and, and literally mm -hmm. stepping out of something. Um, what, talk a little bit about how do you, how do you get people to, to look at themselves in that way and transform their pain? I think you hit the nail on the head of making the unconscious conscious. The gentleman with the neck pain, he had been told by his doctors that his neck pain was from his bulging discs in his neck. And so prior to our three-dimensional conversation, he would have assumed that the neck pain was from the bulging discs, not crossing the threshold and returning home to a troubled marriage. And so it, it's really about awareness, helping the way I do it is often through conversation, intentional conversation to expand people's understanding of their situation, the meaning that they make of it, and becoming more curious and aware of what is doing what stimulus response, right? Paying attention to all of the potential stimuli that are generating a specific response. And the stimuli could be coming from inside, right? Your thoughts, your feelings, um, your decisions, your actions, or it could be coming from outside. The look on your partner's face, your bank account balance, um, driving to work, driving past scene of a car accident. Like all of these things can trigger circuits of threat. And circuits of threat are what generate ultimately pain experiences. And, and so when you, um, when you work with someone, what can someone on, on an individual basis, what kind of techniques, what do you do with an individual to get that awareness going? The awareness gets going by recognizing that pain is a two-way street and it travels from brain to body and body to brain. And when we clear traffic in both directions, things get moving much better, quicker, faster back to health. So I have people do a combination of physical exercises for their body, right? Stretch this muscle, move in that way, do that breathing technique, but also the top-down strategies of body awareness, thought awareness, um, paying attention to ways to what's going on. Like the woman who 
had always gotten better with me for her back pain. I think I'd seen her over a period of eight years for three or four different times. And then when Trump was elected, we did everything we'd always done to get her back pain better and it didn't get better. And so I said, okay, these physical exercises, they're not working this time. What else is happening emotionally, socially? Go home and pay attention. So I had her journal and track when her symptoms are at her worst, this is what's happening physically, emotionally, socially. When her symptoms are at her best, this is what's happening physically, emotionally, socially. She came back and she said, my pain's 90% better. And I said, what? She's like, well, I realized that it's my obsessive worry about this country and its leadership that's driving the pain in my ass. And excuse my French, those are her words, not mine. And so just recognizing the awareness in her literally 90% of her pain went away in a week's time where previously all the physical stretches, the needling, the, the um, manual manipulation, it didn't help. Well, and also it it seems that the recipient of that awareness, having that self-reflection to build, understand that she can shift her pain because is that a conscious shift in pain? Like she's like, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to shift my pain because you brought it to her attention. Or did it naturally shift because her consciousness shifted? I chicken or egg, you know, it, it shifted because why it jumped track from one circuit to other circuit in her nervous system. And when you turn that circuit off, pain goes away. So Renee, when you look at this, this idea, you talked a little bit about our president, our previous president and where we are, but collectively with society as a whole, And when we look at the collective consciousness of society, what are your recommendations? Like how do we, there's been a lot of retraction and pain and COVID and this and that. And resilience, people have had to become resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, This concept that you're bringing forth is so critical, I think, for the collective. If everyone could have a realization that they can shift their pain, I mean, like that really with what you've described. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's about that awareness. Talk a little bit about what can we do as a whole from a societal perspective um, to shift collectively? What are your thoughts on that? You know, my thoughts on that are, I can't, as a human being individually, I'm, I'm not in control of the collective. I contribute to the collective. What I am in control of, to a certain extent, is my own skin and case body. And the greater my ability to run circuits of peace, joy, compassion, curiosity, creativity. In other words, ventral vagal circuits, right? The the circuits, the vagus nerve, so many people have heard of that right? That is largely responsible for health growth and restoration. So the more I can organize my system to have greater and greater access to those circuits and emit that into the world and contribute to the collective in that way, that's the way we can make change. I've spent a lot of years and a lot of pain trying to change something that's outside of my sphere of control. And the collective is outside of my sphere of control because it includes other people. But if I organize and do my best 
to interact with other people from a place of strength and power in a green tree kind of way. And that's why I call it green tree mind because neurons look like nerves. Neurons look like nerves because they are nerves. Neurons look like trees, <laughs> right? And so if we can live more in our own green trees, right? Rather than flaming on fire trees or dead trees, like so many people are living in states of survival and fear and threat. And, and it's not a character flaw. It's just life can be so hard and our nervous system can get so bogged down in the pain and stress that we've all endured. And that's a part of being human. If we can continue through the dark night of the soul, the difficult forest fires and the death and destruction they leave behind within ourselves and find our way back to planting new seeds to generate new fruits. That's how I believe we can best contribute to the collective. And so what advice would you give the audience? How can they, how can they do that? So maybe, maybe they're not experiencing high levels of pain physically, but they're experiencing pain emotionally. Mm. Yeah. That's so, it's so real. And I'm so present to that because I've had my own fair share of physical pain, but way more emotional. And it, it's kind of like a concussion, like you can't see it. And so therefore it's, and I'm doing air quotes, less real, like emotional pain is just as real as physical and social pain. So the things that we can do, I would say the number one thing is self-awareness. There's, I'm going to give three bits of the number one is self-awareness, right? Rather than falling in the trap of blaming and shaming external forces, becoming aware of your own skin and case body, because that's ultimately where your power lies, because you can control or shift or change that. And, and to practice awareness, be curious, not furious. It's really easy to go into self-blaming and shaming and judgment and critical voices of ourselves. So practice curious, not furious, self-awareness. The second thing I would say is doing practices to engage the vagus nerve, right? Like meditation, breathing exercises, simple little things like doing slow blinking, like blink, like 50% of your normal speed. It's a wonderful, quick little exercise. It's the fastest way to slow down. Yeah, you can, I can see, you know, and I can feel a shift in your nervous system in that one, two slow blinks that you just did. Yeah. For those of you that can't see Melinda like I can, she just did three slow blinks and her nervous system dropped a good one or three points. So vagus nerve exercises, you can look those up on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, but there's a ton on the internet, you know, singing, humming, breathing exercises, um, social engagement, staying connected to other people, listening to music, all of those things engage the vagus nerve. And the third thing I would say that somebody can do is practice FB2. And that's a little acronym that I, I made up. Um, and it was, it came out of working with clients because it's like the right thing always, right? Wouldn't it be nice if I could give you one tool, like just always do this in your life and you'll be good. I have that for you. And it's FB2, right? The right answer always in any given circumstance, situation, or person, find your breath, find your body. 
Mm. So just become aware. There again, I saw a shift in your own nervous system, right? Where, where our attention goes, energy flows, right? So if you find your breath wherever it is, it doesn't matter what it's doing and you don't need to change it. You just want to connect to it. And if it's not happening at all, that's great. You'll notice if you're holding your breath, a lot of people do. If you connect to your breath and it's awareness, it will come back again, right? Find your feet, find your seat. Where is my body in space? So many people forget about the body because they're living in the head and they think the body is this mechanism to carry your head around the world. Remember that you have a body. And for many people, it's not a safe or pleasant place to be because bad things have happened and that's understandable. Start with the good. Find something in your body where there is an experience of either neutral or pleasant and focus there for 10 to 12 seconds. And that will begin to restore a connection between the mind and the body in a relational way that will fuel your health growth and restoration and fuel those green trees. So beautiful, Renee. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Melinda, to to be with you and co-regulate together. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And if someone wants to get a hold of you, um, how should they reach out to you? Best way is through my website, www.green, like the color, tree mind, M-I-N-D, greentreemind.com. I have a contact me button there. You can sign up for the newsletter. There's a link to the YouTube channel and love to connect with anybody that wants to connect with me. Thank you. Thank you to our guest, Renee Ostertag. And join us next time for another lively consciousness shifting discussion as we learn to reset our relationship with ourselves and Mother Earth.